Welcome to Girls Rules, Episode 7. Listeners, today I have a treat for you. I've got Romy Nelson of the Ingredients for Life podcast. Once I started listening to it, I was really hooked on the way that Romy kind of cuts through a lot of, you know, jargon and science. She just explains enough so that her point makes sense. A lot of it is common sense, but she also gives tips along the way to help with success. She also completely understands the way the modern world works and our society encourages us to embrace a new lifestyle as far as considering food as fuel for our bodies. And every once in a while, going out and having a really delicious, naughty treat, but basically doing it in a way to enhance your health and to do it without crash diets, without fasting or any of those other possibly dangerous weight loss fads. And listeners... Romy's podcast is not just for women. Her co-host is Mike Menengay, and they cover a huge spectrum of health issues and concerns. I really urge you to subscribe to it, or at least pick out a few episodes that have subjects of interest to you. I've only just gotten my hands on a copy of Romy's book, Be Lean, How to Get the Body You Love and Love the Body You Have, so I've not yet read it, so I can't technically endorse it, but based on what she talks about on the podcast, I'm sure it's a safe bet that I'm going to enjoy it and get lots of and lots of great information out of it. very excited to have a special interview for my listeners today. I'd like to welcome Romy Nelson to Girls Rules. Welcome, Romy. Hi, Vivid. One of my core girls here on Girls Rules, MA and PA, actually recommended your podcast, Ingredients for Life, and she was really enjoying it. And since she and I frequently discuss health and weight loss and exercise, she thought that I would like your approach as much as she does. And I have to be honest, when I saw how many episodes you had out, I kind of was picking and choosing which topics I wanted to learn more. Mm -hmm. And I found that I was learning so much. And I would hear you say, well, like we talked about in a previous episode, that I've actually gone back and I'm listening through the entire backlog now. Oh, wonderful. I just, I think you have a really great way of explaining things to people. You don't like talk down. You don't judge if somebody breaks down and has a Big Mac. You just say, okay, well, now you get to start again. And, you know, eat what your body needs for fuel rather than what, you know, advertising or whatever is telling you that you need. Mm -hmm. My approach is it's really just, it's real natural. I think that, you know, we all have a different relationship with food and it's all very complicated. And the thing is to honor where you're at and have a good sense of humor. And you're just trying to do better most of the time. Your body will respond to the way that you eat the majority of the time. So the best thing that I, I talk about and that my clients love the best and my listeners love is when we talk about cheat meals, because I believe you have to cheat. Otherwise you're on a diet and we all know the diets don't work. Right. Definitely not long term. Mm -mm. No, yeah, they'll work for a while. But what do you win a diet for if you're just going to gain the weight back plus some friends? (laughs) Exactly. And 
listening to your podcast, you clearly have an extensive knowledge in nutrition and weight loss and, and all of that. But could you please tell the listeners, you know, exactly what your background is so they know where you're coming from? Yeah, well, actually, before I went, ever went back to school to become a nutritionist, because I'm actually a dietetic technician registered. So I am registered with the American Dietetic Association. And so I, I call myself a nutritionist because that's an accessible term. But I actually am legitimate in terms of my credential. But I was actually an overweight teen and young adult. So I, you know, originally did not go to school. My undergraduate degree is not in nutrition. I didn't have any intention of being a nutrition professional. And, and I say, you know, I was obese because I was, because obese means in a literal sense that you're 20% or more over what you should be. And because I'm only 4'11", it doesn't take a lot of extra pounds to make you obese. So <laughs> right. I was I was technically obese. And so I was never huge. I'm not going to pretend I was 100 pounds overweight because I'm not. But percentage-wise, it was, it was quite a bit. And so I had exercised a lot. And actually, I did become a personal trainer before I became a nutrition professional. But I worked out a lot. And over the years, I did everything from running to weight training. And I even played ice hockey in high school and college, which I'm sure a lot of your gal listeners would be interested to know. Because when I did it in the late 80s, early 90s, there were not a whole lot of women playing hockey in Arizona. <laughs> so yeah, I was playing an all men's team. So that was interesting. But yeah, it, it was just something that, that no matter what, and I guess I knew on some level it was what I was eating. But I really didn't want to deal with it like most of us. Do you think you can just exercise it off? If I just exercise more, I'll lose the weight. Right. So that didn't work um, years and years of trying. So eventually I went to somebody and got some help. And they made me food log, which is the way I lost the weight and the way that I tell my clients if they're really serious and my listeners – if you're not willing to take pen to paper and be accountable for everything you eat in real time as you eat it, good luck because for 99% of people, if they're not willing to do that, they're really not going to win the battle of long-term weight loss, which is what we all want. Right. I've actually been doing working on losing weight for a long time now, and I'm finally kind of getting near my goal. Ooh. And the, the latest burst of success has been by I'm running, I'm training for a 10K and then for a half marathon at the end of the year. Wow. But the other thing is Weight Watchers, which actually they're pretty similar now with their new program to what you talk about with protein and they're such. getting they're getting better yes, yes. yeah mm -hmm. but they I, I do the online and so that means that I track every single thing I put in Wonderful. my mouth all day long and I track my activity mm -hmm. so it's you know it's online food logging and it does it's it, it surprises me every time like if I wait until you know I'm on the run and I don't have time to do the food log until the end of the day I'm shocked Mm -hmm. Because here I think I'm eating normally and okay, I've got this and this. But when I add everything up, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm having a salad with no dressing for, <laughs> for dinner. For dinner right? There's no calories left. Yeah, right. It's just it's shocking. So I 100% agree with you on the food logging. It's crucial. Yeah, it's it's good. And yeah, it doesn't matter how you log things. Some and Michael and I go back and forth on this on my show. But I, you know, I think the online logging is great. You have to be careful because some of the programs they embed in there, they let people add in their own information and it's not always correct. So you could click on what somebody else said a four ounce piece of beef is and it might not be. So I, right. I did it, you know, the old fashioned way I walked, you know, in uphill and snow both ways <laughs> when I was doing it in the mid 90s because there were no cool online programs. My favorite program though is by another dietitian it's called calorieking.com and that is all data it's entered 
by the by the professionals who are actually researching the information and putting it in so there's not any erroneous information in that particular program so if you don't want to use the calorie books which i had to use you know i carried around my little calorie book with me everywhere when i first learned but the other key is is eating real whole food i mean if you're eating right. a lot of processed food yet yeah, nowadays you can look that up and it's okay you know to start out using some of those foods but what happens is, is you start to taste chemicals, you smell chemicals, you actually learn what real whole food tastes like, and you start to like it. Yeah, exactly. I've actually, I'm a new convert, thanks to your podcast to the Ezekiel bread. Right. And so at a barbecue that we were at recently, I had like a regular hamburger bun, because that was what was there. And it was it just tasted Mm. (laughs) weird. You know, it tasted like almost like a marshmallow. It was so sweet and it was so airy and so thick. And I've, I've really, I've always loved the whole grain breads more than the, than the regular white, but I'm, I'm loving the Ezekiel bread. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad to hear it. And yeah, you start to, that's really wheat the way our ancestors ate wheat. It's really true whole grain. It's flourless bread and it's the only bread I eat. I actually didn't even have bread for years unless I was having a cheat meal. And I just don't, I, I, I couldn't even, I mean, even the smell, like you said, it, it gets to the point where uh, it doesn't taste like food. And you know yeah. that you're really getting somewhere with your relationship with food when you start to notice these things. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And you know, something else some of my listeners don't know, because I, I just don't talk about it a whole lot. I've done eight-figure and fitness competitions between 96 and 2005. And, you know, I would argue... And as much as I never miss a workout and I all, you know, I just, I I work out for health reasons and yeah, it does make you leaner, harder, more muscular, of course, when you lose the body fat through nutrition. But it's interesting because I mean, I I, I joke, but I'm kind of not really joking that 90%, whether it's somebody just, you know, out there trying to lose weight, who's never tried before, somebody dieting for a bodybuilding competition, 90% is nutrition. Can you explain what your thought process is on the difference between something like Atkins and South Beach, which they shun basically all flowers, pastas, at least in the initial stages, mm-hmm. and what you're talking about? Because you said you didn't eat bread for a really long time. And could you explain where bread is now in your, in your daily routine? And, and obviously, the Ezekiel bread makes it different than some white bread. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing always is to honor where you're at. I certainly ate bread when I first lost the bulk of my weight, to be honest with you, back in early 96, when I first learned to eat the five small meals and I learned about protein and I learned how to count calories and that calories were energy. And I'll get more into that, the analogy of why it's so important to count your calories later. But Mm -hmm. I, I was still doing bagels and some limited cereals and things like that. So you can lose the weight on those foods. The reason I'm not a proponent of them and that part of those two diets, the Atkins and South Beach, I do like what I don't like is the extremism. Like you said, this they have this phase and they're like, you can only eat this. And I will yeah. tell you, Viv, about 90% of the people I know, more than that, almost everybody who does those diets, they see this little light at the end of the tunnel. They go, okay, I can't eat this and I can't eat this. And I'm, I can only eat this, this time and at this amount. And so therefore... You know, I do that for so many weeks or months, and then they go completely back to what they used to do. And yeah. they really don't learn anything about processed food. They're not authentically learning how to change their relationship with food. So what I say to somebody is, look, I'd like you to try the Ezekiel bread like you picked up from my podcast. Toast it. Eat it like this. Give it a chance. Yeah. And if you can replace your bread, great. But sometimes you're going to go like you did to the barbecue and you're going to have the bun with the hamburger and just count it in your calories. And it's okay when you're ready. If you decide like I am at the point now where that doesn't even that to me, 
wheat flour is not, it's not food. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't consider it food. Sometimes it'll creep into one of my cheats. It might be brownies, cookies, cake, or somewhere that I've planned ahead for, knowing I'm not going to feel so great maybe if I have too much of it, but I don't consider it food, honestly. Yeah. So I'm at the other extreme. So I don't, I mean, if somebody comes to me and they say, Romy, here's where I am in, in my evolution with this, and I'm you know already eating pretty clean and organic, and I want to take it to the next level. I'll still tell them they can cheat on those things, but I'm going to write them a meal plan that, yeah, it's going to exclude those kinds of foods 85% of the time. But I never do what those diet books do, which is tell somebody, never eat this. You know, I, yeah. I just don't do it. Yeah, because it makes you want it even that much more, which <laughs> makes you eventually succumb to something in some, you know, just overwrought way where you end up surrounded by candy wrappers and, you know, (laughs) ice cream buckets and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's part of life. I mean, the reality is that's that's out there, whether we have kids, if, you know, whatever environment you're in as, a, as an adult person in the work world, you know, in the world, the play world with, with your children, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to eat processed junky food. And right. you have to have strategies to pick and choose when you'd like to have that or not like to have that and not feel like, oh, I can't eat that or people coming up to you. Well, what are you eating these days? We're having a party. What, what can I feed you? You, you just right. don't need that. Nobody needs that because it adds too much stress. And if we add stress, then we're going to give up. So it has to be. And if you've listened to the podcast, the, the beautiful thing with Michael, who's lost 65 pounds and mm. he, le- he lost it in, in a little less than a year and he's been holding it off now. It's been like a year and a half that we've been recording. He started out eating what I would consider a horrific amount of fast food. Absolutely yeah. horrific. And he, he doesn't even like the taste of most of it anymore. But yeah. we started with the calories. And if you can do that, if you can start with your calories and not be as obsessed about the types of foods, you'll get there. Yeah. Well, because when you see what you're, what you're quote, spending calorie-wise for you know, even a small cheeseburger from McDonald's, and you see what you can have with like real whole foods, mm-hmm. It's like this little tiny thing or this big plate of delicious fresh stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take long for you to realize that you don't really want to be hungry just to satisfy that little mouth craving that when you actually eat it really doesn't taste as good as you remember anyways. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you could just go over your basic belief system, I guess, is what, what maybe you might want to call it for, for maintaining your health or losing weight or increasing your fitness? Because you've, you've touched on several things, and I think the listeners really should get more of a feel for it. Well, it, it's, it's fairly simple. It's five to six small meals a day. The number one thing that, again, I can promise people they can keep their weight off if they can do this, is you figure out the calories you need. Again, I use the example, I am four foot 11, and I like to keep my weight around 98 pounds, and I like to keep my body fat pretty low. So I have to figure out how many calories I need in a day, most days. Again, you have your two cheat meals a week. We'll talk about cheats later. But 85% of the time you have to stick in that calories. Now let's say you're a gal out there listening and your your average American female is about 5'4", and your goal weight might be between 120 and 140, depending on you know how much muscle you have and you know where you weigh what you weigh now. So if you're five inches taller than me and maybe you don't exercise as much, maybe you exercise more. Again, you have to figure out those calories. And here's my basic philosophy. It's like being in debt. If you go to a debt counselor, they're going to refuse to work with you unless you take a monthly budget every month and you are accountable for every single dollar till at the end, after every dollar has been accounted for, bills, utilities, debt, 
entertainment, everything, you have it zeroed out. That's mm-hmm. all I'm asking you to do is we'll start looking at food. And it's a cold, clinical, hard thing to do when we look at food as entertainment and fun, as we always do in, in mm-hmm. all cultures around the world. You know, it's it's family. It's fun. It's it's entertainment. You know, we, we eat for other reasons. It's a reward if you've done well. Yeah. Yeah. We don't just eat for nourishment. Yeah. But if 85% of the time you can go, okay, hmm, calories are like money. And if I overspend if I live like I'm making 80 grand, but I make 40 grand, I'm probably going to be in trouble. Yeah. Okay. It's the same concept. If you're overweight and, and barring thyroid issues and, and a lot of health issues, certain medications can certainly cause weight gain. However, mm-hmm. in general, if you have more body fat, more pounds than you want, you're basically kind of overeating or in this case, you know, the analogy, you're overspending. You're not really right. being accountable. And the thing that you know, Viv, from writing this down, when you put that on paper or you look it up online and you realize that the thing you thought might just be a 300 calories is actually 900 calories. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, no wonder I can't lose weight or keep it off. Right. And you incorporate a lot of protein too. Yeah. Yes. I, I do believe that if, you know, and again, if you have healthy kidney function, because again, there's, there's never been, there used to be a big controversy in nutrition about protein and kidney function. There's never, there's no evidence that high protein diets cause kidney failure, kidney damage. If somebody, however, has a diagnosis of an existing kidney disease, if they have, you know, a, a just a renal disease in general, they are not able, like my cat's a good example. My cat has, has kidney failure. So she, as a carnivore, real interesting, I have to feed her a lower protein diet, poor thing. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be eating all protein. Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, existing kidney function issues, then you don't want to go high protein. So my thing is a compromise. Instead of going real high protein like Atkins, I say, okay, figure out about 20% of all your calories, up to 25 if you work out a lot and especially if you're weight training and, you know, utilizing more protein, then you can go ahead and go up to 25%. So that's a nice safe amount. It's within the Institute of Medicine guidelines. They say anywhere between 10 and 35%. And the thing in nutrition and what I love about being a nutrition professional is we, we do customize, we individualize for each person. So you can't really say blanket, you know, here, do this. I mean, you have to kind of look at, but I will tell you this, those people who eat more protein, the 20 to 25% are less hungry. They have less sugar cravings. They are able to keep their body fat lower and eating the five, six small meals becomes very doable. Yeah. I agree completely. That's something that I wasn't necessarily doing with Weight Watchers. I've always known because I have, I don't have diabetes or anything like that, but I do have this weird blood sugar thing where if I go a really long time without eating, I get shaky and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I've always eaten five or six meals a day because it's the only way I can maintain a day. Great. So um, that has helped me with smaller meals, but I was making bad choices on what those meals were. <laughs> so I would break up my day with little protein snacks and, you know, I would, it was, it would be for a while it was, I was doing South Beach and I was doing their protein shakes and, and stuff like that. And it, it is absolutely true is that if there is protein in your, you know, snack meal or meal meal, mm-hmm. then it absolutely lasts longer. It just sticks with you so much longer. You don't get hungry as nearly as often. I actually have to force myself to eat at that four hour mark just mm-hmm. because I know my body will need it if I've had a big, you know, filling protein kind of thing going on. Good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's what makes us not a diet. It's right. a meal plan. And if mm-hmm. you, 
are conscious about making sure you have all your snacks and your food and, you know, as much as you can cooked up for on the weekends or whatever your off days are, make sure you're cooking up your eggs. You can boil them up. You can make your egg white omelets ahead of time or a couple eggs, you know, and, and then reheat it. You can you know, make sure you have your nuts and your protein bars and you can just make sure that you have, you know, some chicken breast cooked up. You've got these foods that are high in protein. And I would argue them. I mean, all of the meals should have a little fat, healthy fat or protein to keep your right. blood sugar stable. But the mm-hmm. breakfast is the most important. If everybody, anybody's listening out there and you're not ready to make a big change or overhaul, I could just tell you one little thing to change. If you can just do a couple eggs or you could do five egg whites, or if you like the yolk, because yolks are, are healthy within reason, you know, if you're just doing one or two a day, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and do a whole egg with four whites. That's going to give you, let's see, 20 five, six, six grams of protein. And if you go ahead and do that and you can have it, you know, again, with a carbohydrate, some oatmeal, Ezekiel bread, I always like to do raw veggies as well in the morning with my egg whites and my carb. And then that way you've got, you know, three, 350 calories in the morning, but so much of it was protein Mm -hmm. that now you don't crave as much sugar during the day and you have much better control over the blood sugar description that you were giving about the highs and lows. The highs and lows make us make bad choices. Yep. And I was doing a serving of oatmeal in the mornings and the, you know, the old fashioned oats. And Mm -hmm. I was adding either walnuts or almonds or something like that because I knew I needed protein with it. When I started listening to you, I actually cut my oatmeal portion in half and now I do the egg whites. And then I finish up with my, you know, cinnamon and Splenda sweetened oatmeal. And it lasts me way longer than a full portion of oatmeal did. And when I looked at the protein that I was getting from the nuts versus what I'm now getting from the eggs, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, duh, of course it's lasting longer. I was hardly getting any protein. Yeah, not, not much of a comparison, no, no, is it? No, it was much lower protein than I thought. I just never actually looked at it. Oh, nuts, protein, throw them in, you know? Right. And if, if, and if I may make a suggestion, you said you use Splenda in your oatmeal? Yes, okay. I know. I, I really recommend Stevia, which some people pronounce Stevia. Um, yeah. It's it's. Have you tried it yet? I've tried it. I just can't get it in bulk like I can get the Splenda at BJ's. So it's more of a budget issue okay. than a flavor issue. I prefer the flavor of Stevia. I just can't find it bulk affordable. And my husband and I drink a lot of decaf green tea, mm-hmm. uh, iced tea. We make that up by the gallon practically and, and just drink, drink, drink it. But because we go through so much of that as kind of getting ourselves off of sodas, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. We go through a lot of sweetener, which I know makes it even worse that we're using Splenda. Well, and, and again, you know, I'm just concerned long-term safety, you know, just because the FDA, the FDA approved it doesn't mean that long-term, we're, you know, it, it is, it is, they used chemical solvents like chlorine to create that. And it also, I, I just learned a bunch of other things about it that I won't get into today, but here, here's mm-hmm. what I would say. I know you, you both going online to shop for the Stevia is a good idea if you want the packets, mm-hmm. but also just so you know, the one that I've been using for years, as far as a little bit more of a bulk thing, it's called Cal. Brand KAL, they make a lot of other supplements and they um, have a shaker. It's very sweet though. It's standardized stevia extract. So mm-hmm. it's so sweet that if you were going to use it in a recipe that called for three quarters of a cup of sugar, you only need a teaspoon. Oh my gosh. That's how we get my sweet tooth is. Yes. This is what I <laughs> so um, no calories. It's actually very good for blood sugar and it has a lot of other health properties. However, you it, it costs like $25 for the shaker, but because mm-hmm. it's so sweet, it will last you for months and months. Wow. Yes. So I really recommend, and you can get that at Sprouts or Sunflower Market, um, even online, you know, wherever health, health food stores. I'm sold because we tried the switch to a, to agave, but the taste difference just was... Eh, yeah, and agave is different because it is a liquid, although you can buy liquid stevia as well. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you have to play. There's so many different stevias now. There's the liquid extract. There's the powders. There's the. I do keep packets in my purse because I drink a lot of tea. And if mm-hmm. I'm out at a restaurant, if I don't get water, I do get unsweetened iced tea. And if they have green tea, of course, I get that. But yeah, I mean, I use several <laughs> stevia packets when I go out. And I, I too, when I first lost my weight, I, I didn't use Splenda, but I did use NutraSweet because, again, this was back in the mid-90s. Right. And I, I was drinking diet soda. And, I again, I'm always honest with my listeners. When I was ready, I stopped, which was in 2002. But it took me, you know, like a smoker. Like you think about it for a while and you cut back mm-hmm. and then you go back to it. And then you finally one day make a decision. And so it wasn't easy for me to stop the diet soda. I'm not going to lie. But you feel so much without the artificial sweeteners. I can't tell you how much your mental clarity, your energy. It's just like you have a different body. It's incredible. I will definitely be checking that out. Definitely. And I'm going to put that in our show notes too for our listeners so that they can go and find some for themselves. Well, and I'll tell you also, and, and I haven't found one that I, I love Trader Joe's. That's where I get my Ezekiel bread. I know there's a lot of them around the country. They actually have, I need to try their newer one. They also sell um, much less expensively, the stevia extracts and, and the powder for you know, the big shakers and fresh mm-hmm. and easy markets. I know they're around the nation too. Um, they have one. I just had, the cow is just so sweet and I just, I'm really, really, I love sweet and I don't, you know, really get a lot of sweet, uh, you know, because I'm eating a lot of whole foods. And so that's right. kind of, but I, I do try all the different ones because you will find inexpensive ones at the Trader Joe's at Fresh and Easy for the big shaker. But but please don't give up if you're listening and you try one that you don't like or it's not sweet enough. Just just keep trying because that's what it is. It's an herb. It's not, if you're buying an herb, you know, from a certain company, it's going to be a little different, but at least it's it's natural and they're processing it in a way that's not going to be toxic. Gotcha. Going back to the talk about protein, that's another thing that can be really tricky. If you find yourself out, you know, and you've, you're normally making your snacks and you've got your protein bars or whatever with you, what do you do when you're stuck out and you need to get a snack and you need it to be healthy, but all you have around you are fast food restaurants and sit down restaurants? What is your go-to for something like that? Well, sit down restaurants... I mean, anywhere you go, they have chicken and vegetables. Right. I mean, there's no excuse at, at a sit-down restaurant. There's big, beautiful salads. If you don't want a 1,000-calorie salad, you just have them leave off cheese, croutons, and you do your dressing on the side. And you've got an incredible, you know, you've got all your green vegetables and your protein. And, and you do want to eat when you're doing protein, which is very acidic to the body, your eggs, your your fish, your chicken, your beef, your turkey, you do want to have green vegetables whenever possible. So a big salad, even your CDS sports bar these days has green salads with chicken. Mm-hmm. So if you're not having a cheat meal, because again, if you're cheating, get the burger and fries, you know, go ahead and have what you're going right. to have. But if you already used up your two cheat meals or you're saving them for some event on the weekend, you know, you can order at any rest, nice sit down restaurant, a piece of protein with veggies on the side. They're now letting people substitute the coleslaw and the fries for fruits mm-hmm. or veggies or cottage cheese. So I, I've never been to a restaurant in the last 10 years that doesn't do mm-hmm. that. And when I travel for business, sometimes I am in the middle of nowhere and I'm amazed that they all have light and fit and healthy options in the middle of nowhere. I was at, I was somewhere out in Marana, Arizona, and they had a breakfast that was, you could order whatever kinds of eggs you wanted and it, you put it together yourself. And you could, they didn't have egg whites, but they had egg beaters. Mm. And then you could pick all these different sides. So I got cottage cheese and tomato and I got a tea. And I can't remember what the other thing was, but it, I fruit. And so I, it was like amazing. And this place was like, you would never mm. think. It looked like the most unhealthy, you know, middle of nowhere place. And it was wonderful. So now fast food's a different story. 
fast food is actually in some ways, even though I wouldn't eat it and it's full of chemicals and, you know, just things that we've identified is very quite dangerous and toxic. Right. And, and this is even on the company's websites, mm -hmm. but you can just, you know where you go. It, it, people act like it's a surprise. Oh, we ended up at Sonic or we ended up at Arby's or Taco Bell. Like, like somebody dragged them right. there and kidnapped mm -hmm. them. Most people know their route and where they're going. And if you're taking the kids to talk about after soccer practice and you go there every week, all you have to do is spend 30 seconds, get on Taco Bell's website or go to Calorie King and find some things that will fit in your calories. It's that easy. Yeah. We're spending a lot of time at Subway because it's so easy to get a, a sandwich built with the whole grain bread, or at least what they call, mm -hmm. you know, their wheat, their nine grain bread. Uh -huh. And um, and put something together that's really simple and you can control everything going into it. So that's the, mm -hmm. my husband actually said, you know, I'm getting kind of sick of Subway and I'm like, Quiznos, <laughs> you know, sorry. It's just I, I have a real hard time with the burger joints now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, it just it just does not taste like meat at all to me anymore. So I order the chicken and the <laughs> chicken is rubbery and, it, you know, it's like just let me go get it, you know, something from Subway. It's easier that way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's okay. I mean, if you're finding places that, you know, you're comfortable, I'm going into their website while we're talking here, the allergy and ingredient information, because I want to see, uh, see if they actually have the ingredients in their bread. You'll hate me, but no, 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 <laughs> no, I, I need the truth. Give it to me, Romy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and again, when I go there, I, I do get a salad just be only because I don't do real well with wheat. You know, it just, mm -hmm. unless it's Ezekiel bread, it's just very highly processed. And again, once in a while, it, oh, here it is product ingredient guide. So, but again, you pay attention to your body. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Ready for me to read it? <laughs> My husband will be thrilled if it means we're not going there anymore. Cause like I said, he's sick of it. No, no, no. You can still get okay. it. it. It's certainly, I'm looking at it. It's better than most, okay. but I'm just going to, well, no, I just that back now. But <laughs> okay. Here we go. The first ingredient in the six grain wheat is enriched wheat flour. Oh, and you know that means that they yeah. took out all the healthy stuff, They took right? out the good stuff, yeah. Yes, they took out the germ, and, and so there's no whole grain. Okay. okay. And in their enriched whole wheat flour, or just wheat, they don't call it whole wheat, it's just wheat. It's got wheat flour, malted barley flour, niacin, iron, thiamine, mono, monotrate, riboflavin, and folic acid. And the reason those are there, they're just vitamins and minerals, is because all of the vitamins and minerals have been sucked out when they process yep. it. Then you're going to love this. The second ingredient is water, which is fine, but high fructose corn syrup oh, is the no, ingredient. No. Yet, guess what the fourth ingredient is? Whole wheat flour. They actually got some whole wheat flour in there. Just a smidge. So when I see something, like, that's why a red flag waved in my yeah. head when you said the nine grain bread, yeah. I knew ahead of time, even before I looked this up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now it's not bad. Their flatbread, actually the first ingredient is still enriched, but it's wheat enriched wheat flour. Okay. They do add in wheat gluten. So that's more of my non-favorite ingredient. And they do put in sugar, but there's no high fructose corn okay. syrup. So that one's a little better. But I should switch to a, a, a flatbread or a salad. Yeah, but, but you don't have to. If you're happy with your weight loss, what I tell people is if you can eat flour, just, you know, in, again, I don't eat it again, but I'm somebody who's really a purist about my food. Mm -hmm. You have to honor where you're at. If you love your sandwiches there, continue to eat them. If you're losing weight and you feel healthy... But see, the problem is with our food supply, when we eat out, they're going to get the le most inexpensive, highly processed right. foods most of the time. So that's why, again, I just choose not to eat 
the processed bread because I, I know what's going to be in it before. I re- the worst shocking thing to me was when I was doing my clinicals and my training, you work at hospitals to get a lot of your training. And in the hospital food service, of course, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. And so I go back into where they have all the breads mm. and every single loaf of the hospital bread had high fructose corn syrup and, and it was uh, processed and bleached, you know, yeah. flour. So it's just, it's just inexpensive. That's why the Ezekiel bread costs Yeah, more. it's worth it, though. I mean, it actually tastes like something, and it has texture. There you go. So you're, you're, you're seeing the difference oh, now. Oh, yeah. But again, I'm not going to tell you don't eat it. I'm just saying as you evolve in your taste, you'll just kind of do that on your own. Well, and in all honesty, the reason I settled on Subway is because it was healthier than Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A or, you Absolutely. know, any of those things. Because the lettuce I find in the fast food salads is frequently not really fresh or anything that I want to eat. And mm-hmm. so I, I sometimes will avoid those from fast food joints, but I'll give them another try because yeah, I'm not happy with that list of ingredients in that healthy bread either. <laughs> but it, but it's still, it, it's still healthier. The other thing with Subway is the, the meats have nitrates or nitrites. Right. Do you know what those yeah. are? Yeah. So those are what we, you know, there's a lot of evidence now that they're cancer causing uh, preservatives. So when you're buying deli meat in the store, you can look for nitrate or nitrite free and preservative free. And of course, I also look for gluten free on because wheat is cheap and it is used in a filler in the very inexpensive deli meats. So, you know, again, just being more aware. And again, I lost most of my weight in the beginning. I was eating all kinds. I was eating healthy choice hot dogs, which were high in sodium Mm -hmm. and God knows what's in them. And I was eating the, the, the lunch meats. And now all I'll eat is Applegate Farms, which is hormone free, antibiotic free. But this is something that takes years. You're, you're not going to be that picky right away. If you're looking for weight loss, it's all about calories. You know, if you're looking for health, then we're going to start looking at, okay, what are they using as preservatives? Right. What are they, you know, are they adding high fructose corn syrup? You're starting to look at it in a health manner. Yeah. And we're, and we're definitely move, moving towards that. It's just taking a little, it's taking a little longer with, you know, reducing the calories and increasing the exercise. It does, like you said, it feels kind of overwhelming when you try to do everything at once. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't do it right away either. You know, and a lot of when I was researching to write my book, you know, a lot of the, the things that I learned and going back to school, you, you do learn over time. And that's with anything in life that's worthwhile. I tell people, you know, I want to, they're like, I want to lose 40 pounds and keep it off. And I tell them, I said, if anything else in life that we were to do, whether it's raise a family, go back to school for a degree, uh, you know, anything that we want to accomplish, we expect that it's going to take time right. and we expect it to be a journey and a process. And that through that journey and process, we become better people, more knowledgeable, more fulfilled, more actualized. But with weight loss, it's like we're a microwave society. Right. We want it now. We don't want to have to work hard. We don't want to have to learn anything or go through any ups and downs. Right. But that's, that's, if it's worth it, and I think it is, it's going to be difficult sometimes. You know, one of the hardest things that I've, and, and this is why I've, I've stayed with Weight Watchers is because when I had done diets previously, it was like, okay, I lost this. Where's my reward? And I was raised as much as I love my mother. I was raised where, oh, you did great. Let's go fix a special dinner. Let's bake a special mm-hmm. cake. Let's honor this with a special meal and everybody will gather together because it's so wonderful, which is mm-hmm. a lot of people are like that. So, you yes. know, it's hard to kind of separate all of that out. And what I've learned with the program that I'm on is that, okay, I started out at this weight and I've lost weight. So now they recalculate the number of points I can have to be lower mm-hmm. 
So I'm having to learn, okay, as I go, my reward for losing weight is to be able to eat less to maintain and to lose more. And so I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm absolutely having to retrain my whole thought process where food is not a reward, being mm-hmm. healthy is the reward. And the food is just the mm-hmm. fuel that lets me do the things that I want to do. Yeah, but that's why I don't approach, that's another problem that, that I have with that program is I teach people, unless they have more than 40, 50 pounds to lose from where they are now, I teach them, start with, just just go to your goal weight, mm-hmm. figure out your calories to eat to your goal weight so that you can just keep doing what you did when you get there. That's what Michael's doing, okay? Yeah. But if you do have 100 pounds to lose, but you have to realize people have 100 pounds to lose, they didn't do that overnight. Right. It is going to take them longer Mm -hmm. and they're going to have to be more patient. So what I tell them is, okay, if you've got a hundred to lose, let's figure out where you'd be 50 pounds from now. Let's figure out your calories. Eat to that. Now, do we have to lower their calories when they get there? Yes. But I'll tell you that 90% of the time when I work with people like that, because the way that I teach them to eat the five small meals and I give them plenty of real whole filling foods, they often don't use all their calories anyway. So what happens is I don't have to take calories away from them. Yeah. It, it usually doesn't work that way. I try to really, when I'm working with somebody, I look at the whole picture and I really try to get as close to their goal calories so that they don't, I don't have to take food away from them. Yeah, but it is, it is better that it's your way and the other way are both good for making you realize that you know, you're not ever going to be able to eat like you did at your highest weight because then you'll just be your highest weight again. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, what do you consider to be the three biggest health concerns for today's woman? And how do you think that we can reduce the likelihood of those occurring to us? Well, there's a lot. So I'll try to narrow down the three. I would say the first one is kind of what you and I were talking about earlier, just some of the stuff that's in food that really shouldn't be. Right. And, and this is for, you know, our families as well. It's, I think that there's kind of like a little bit of a toxic overload. So a lot of the female health problems that we're seeing, you know, I mean, women are, are struggling also with men and children with the obesity issue, obviously. Right. So I think, you know, it, getting people to recognize eating more whole food and because some of the chemicals and it literally toxins in, in some of the food that shouldn't be allowed is in there. And what people think is healthy often isn't. So I think that's a big thing is people recognizing what's food. And I say a good guideline is to just zap your mind back a thousand years. If it wasn't there a thousand years ago, it's probably not real food. Yeah. So, you know, if it's not something your ancestors could have eaten or if you time traveled back, you know, it, if, if you couldn't get it, it's probably not food. So I think that that, and so obviously some of the other health problems, I think indirectly, and I write about this a lot in my book, a lot of the hormone problems that women are dealing with that lead to things like breast cancer, I think have to do with a lot of the toxins in the environment, chemical pollutants, mm-hmm. toxins. So I'm a real proponent, and there is a YouTube video on my website about this, about um, getting all the toxic cleaners out of your house. In our house, our shampoos, our deodorants, our household cleaning products, the dishwashing liquid, the soap for the clothes washer, everything is natural. My makeup is 100% natural. We don't use toxic chemicals in our house. Mm. And it is something that takes time as well, because that's not something you can do right, right away. You start replacing a product here and there, and you slowly do it. But it is something I think it's really important, because women, right now, it's now one in six women are slated to have breast cancer. And to me, that's just absolutely unacceptable. And I, I do think 
you know, there is a, there's a, some other issues, part of it probably being overdiagnostics and, you know, the overuse of radiation, CT scans, a lot of other of these things that we now know also cause right. cancers. But I, I just think that women are really battling a very toxic environment. And in my book, I write a chapter on this. We call them xenoestrogens to women. They can, to men, they can block their testosterone and cause all kinds of problems with sex drive and impotence. And that's not good, certainly. But with women, too much estrogen that's chemical estrogen, that's not the estrogen your body makes, causes a lot of these hormone disruptions that include uh, an estrogen-driven breast cancer. So those are definitely concerns. I think that, gosh, a third one, I think, I don't know, I think those would probably be you know, obesity related, you know, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm going to say a third, those top three concerns. I mean, the thing is, is that the majority of Americans, the number one cause of death in the U.S. is is heart disease, you know, cardiovascular disease. And we all have to die of something. But it's interesting how you know, we're, we're such an advanced civilization. We have all this great sanitation and there's not a lot of communicable diseases. Mm. But we do, we do end up having problems because what we're putting in our body again is, is often not meant to be there. Absolutely. All you have to do is look at, pick up one item out of your pantry and read the ingredients. And it's mm-hmm. very clearly something that really needs to be looked at. And well, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not big on huge government regulation, but it certainly does seem like the food companies could be a little more honest in their packaging. Yeah, that's one area I'm with you. I'm also not, you know, big into into the nanny government situation, but I but absolutely I think that when when we had a lot of these chemicals come on the market, and I write about how many thousands of chemicals are out there in in my book, it it just wasn't nobody really knew. I mean, people were just trying to, you know, better living through chemistry, you know, same thing with the pharmaceutical drug industry, which could be a fourth issue that's really facing women today is how quickly that physicians will dole out pharmaceutical synthetic drugs that all have side effects that result in you having to take another drug to counteract the, I mean, I've got clients that are on 15 to 30 different pharmaceutical drugs and half of them are to counteract effects from the others. And it's just absolutely horrific. And, and nobody's talking about it. And actually, they did just come out with a big story in the paper about prescription drug abuse in terms of addiction being, being you know, far surpassing anything that the illegal drugs are, are, are presenting. I totally believe that. But I'm trying to look up here while we're talking. There is a site, and I'm going to try to find it for you to share with your listeners and maybe put on the site that um, there is somewhere you can look to look up the chemicals in, in your body lotions and your household products. So I'm going to try to find that too. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a great website. Oh, great. What do you think are the bare minimum supplements that a health conscious woman should be taking? And if you could also touch on uh, probiotics and vitamin D3. Yeah. Okay. We'll start with those two. Those are two probably of the, the most important. So D3, vitamin D3, and there is in a, a couple of weeks, there'll be a whole TV spot I just did last Friday on my website, a whole segment just about vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 deficiency has now been implicated in diabetes, heart disease, osteoporosis, cancers, and another huge list that we don't have time to go into, but everything from gum disease to depression, wow. to obesity, to uh, autoimmune diseases like MS and rheumatoid arthritis, and I, I could go on all day, lots of birth defects. And so with vitamin D, we didn't really know until the last 10, 15 years with all the research that's been done, but we now know that we have an epidemic anywhere from 30 to 60% of Americans, men and women are, and children are deficient. And the only way to really know is to have your doctor add a vitamin D, it's called a serum OHD test when they run blood work, when they're just doing other blood work, that way it shouldn't cost you extra. Right. 
And when you look at your levels, then you can tell, you can meet with your, hopefully if your doctor knows what they're doing, if not, a nutrition professional can help you. But what I tell people just for quote insurance is you need to be on anywhere from two, probably up as much as 5,000 international units of vitamin D3 a day. Mm-hmm. And especially if you don't get a lot of sunlight, if you live at northern latitudes, all of those things are going to make you at more risk. The darker your skin is, the more obese you are. And if you're on certain pharmaceutical drugs, statin drugs, corticosteroids, heparin, other cholesterol drugs besides statins, missing a couple. There's just a bunch of categories of drugs. So if you're on any of those drugs, you're actually not going to, oh, acid reflux drugs. That's a biggie right there because you can't absorb hardly any any nutrients when you're on those. Mm. So a lot of those drugs make it so that you need vitamin D even more and you're more likely deficient. There are two drugs, calcium channel blockers and thiazide diuretics that if you're on, you can't take D. So if it was me, I would have my doctor switch me to a different blood pressure medication Mm -hmm. so that I could take D because D is so important to preventing chronic disease. You know, weight loss, it's huge in weight loss. Mm -hmm. So, and then probiotics is basically the good bacteria in your gut. 70% of your immune system is basically generated by the gut. Your antibodies are made in the gut. So if you get sick a lot, flus, if you have um, constipation, diarrhea, irritable bowel, if you have any digestive issues all, even the occasional bloating, chances are your gut health has been compromised. And most of us in the United States is because of overuse of antibiotics and of all the antibiotics we eat when we eat meat that's not organic um, and dairy that's not organic. So if you're pretty much on the planet, in the industrialized world, you probably need to be on a good adult or for children uh, probiotic. And they have liquid, they have chewables, they have pills, uh, incredible stuff. What brand do you like for probiotics? Okay, that again is very individual um, because it depends. So I, I usually will do a medical history and get with somebody and talk to them because if they're dealing with specific health issues. But if you're just looking for, I'll give you a couple brands that are good if you just want a, a general one and you don't have any specific issues. Mm-hmm. PB8. It's P as in Paul, B as in boy, and then the number eight. It's by Nutrition Now. That's a good one. And you can do one or two of those a day on empty stomach, either before bed or upon waking. And the other one that I really like, if you if you don't have a lot of issues, but you just want to shore up your immune system and kind of improve your gut health a little bit, is by um, Nature's Way. They make one called Primadophilus Original but they do have children's formulas and that's a good adult one a day. It's very inexpensive. Okay. They, you can get the big bottle of like 180 for under, under $30. And if you're doing one a day, it's going to last you six months. Cool. But that's a good one. That one has to stay refrigerated. PB8, I do always keep in the house because I travel a lot for speaking and I always can know that I can put that in my, in my suitcase and it doesn't have to be refrigerated. But there are stronger probiotics. If you have irritable bowel syndrome, you know, again, getting with a nutrition professional would be the best thing to do. I'm going to jump back again because that made me remember that, you know, I go to the store. And, okay, usually when I listen to your podcast, I'm either out running or I'm in the <laughs> car running errands. And so it's not mm-hmm. the best time for me to be able to take notes or anything like that. So that's why I specifically asked about those. I know you mentioned them in one of the episodes, and I never did get the brands written down. But also the the protein powders. I mean, yes. I go to the store, and there's so many different ones. And I don't feel like I know enough to be able to tell, you know, which one to get. So I end up leaving and planning on going home and doing more research. And so it's been a while and I haven't bought any protein powder yet for the on the go shakes that you talk about on your show. So can you recommend any brands for people that are just, you know, no specific issues? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I love, and it's really the only one I've used for a few years now, and practically every one of my clients is on it because it just tastes so good, and it's very pure, and it's made with stevia, oh, so good. you'll like that. It's by MRM. can't remember the whole name of the company, but if you just Google, you can get them at iherb.com or any, most of these online, real inexpensive places to order supplements have it. And so MRM, and it's called 100% Natural Way. Okay because they do make other kinds. You want the 100% natural way. The chocolate is my favorite. It's so good. Mm. And they also make a vanilla. I think they just came out with a berry flavor. And again, it's sweet and stevia. It's completely natural. It even has glutamine, which is good for gut health. And it's also good for recovery. If you're working out, you get less muscle soreness okay. and very good stuff. So a scoop of that has 18 grams of protein. That, that's what I recommend. But shop, because if you get it in the stores, it can be like 25 to $40 for the big 2.2 pounder. I usually don't spend more than $20 Okay. online. So, and it lasts a long time. It's, it's a pretty big, big container. And you mix that with almond milk, but you could mix it with other things, right? Yeah. If you want a meal replacement, which means you need carbs, fats, and proteins, then you could put in um, a handful of frozen or fresh fruit. You know, you can measure out how many calories you get for that. The almond milk can range from 40 to 100 calories, depending on how, how much it's sweetened per cup. And then the scoop of protein is only 85 calories. So you can make a little meal replacement under 300 calories right there, you know, 250 calories for most of my clients. Um, but if you're a little like me and you just need like, you just need the protein so that you don't overeat at the next meal, you want to save some calories for dinner, you can just do the protein with a 40 calorie almond milk, uh, just the one cup of the unsweetened, and it's only 125 calories. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. It's nice. How do you think that we can best guide kids and teens, male or female, towards healthy eating habits and to kind of help them avoid the fast food and junk food pitfalls that I know my generation has fallen into? You know, I, it's so interesting because, you know, especially when they get in the teen years, it's kind of like, oh, you know, they just, they don't want to listen to me or do what I do. Right. And, and there's some of that. But when you have them when they're younger, you are such a model to them. The way they relate to food, and if you're a woman and you say things like you feel fat or mommy can't eat that because she's fat, mommy wants to lose weight, they start to feel guilt about food the way that we you know, all grew up doing. Right. And so what happens is their relationship with food and their negative relationship with their body. And again, I have an entire section in my book about this because it's so much of weight loss and keeping it off is learning to love our bodies and trust our bodies and know that they can burn calories and that calories are a good thing. They're fuel. They're wonderful. And if your little girl, especially, but you know, your son too, thinks that, that food is, is something to be frightened of, to be scared of, you know, then, then it's going to translate. So if you're eating strawberries instead of ice cream for dessert, love those strawberries. Say, mm, this is so good. I love these. And don't even offer them any, especially if you have a child under, under 12. Don't offer them any. It just absolutely love your food. Oh, this Ezekiel bread. I found this new bread. This is so mm -hmm. good. Bring your daughter to the store with you and say, Okay, every week you get to pick a new vegetable and the whole family gets to try it. And you can teach her how to prepare it and make the, the new fruit or vegetable something that's fun and exciting and it's, it's tasty. It's not a prison sentence because mom's on a diet. Right. The energy that you put into food and, and, and how much you love your body is exactly what your child's going to pick up on. So if you are not eating something because you're punishing yourself or you feel fat, they pick, on, they pick up on that. So it's really about how do you bring them grocery shopping with you? You know, when, when they pick something, you say, oh, that's bad for you. No. Okay, well, those are cookies, and 
Okay, we can get those, but we don't want to eat more than, you know, two of those a day. And we'll pick it. Let's pick, let's decide tomorrow what, what time of day we're going to have those cookies. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you make it one of your small meals, but to tell them that's bad. Yeah. It's going to make them want it even more like you, if you, if I tell you, you can't eat bread. I'm going to have to eat some bread. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So they're just like us. You know, if, if we say no, if we make it something that's bad and scary and, you know, now, now we've got a situation where, where everybody is at odds with their own self as well as one another. Right. Fantastic. Those are great points. All of them. And I actually, I have two questions from the woman that actually introduced your podcast to me, M-A-N-P-A. And she asks, what is a good protein shake substitute for someone with milk issues? Okay, the the MRM, most of my clients who are lactose intolerant can tolerate the MRM. I think I've met one or two people in the last, I don't know, five to six years who can't tolerate that if they're lactose intolerant. So the other alternatives, though, especially if you're vegan or vegetarian and you don't want to do whey protein, which is cut from dairy, there's some great rice proteins out there. There's actually a vegan protein out there I really like called nitro, and there's another one, and I'm blanking out on the name right now. Oh, boy. Uh, Plant Fusion, okay. that's what it's called. And they do actually make a chocolate flavor. And they're all vegan proteins, and they're completely dairy-free. Wonderful. So there's a lot of rice proteins. There's hemp protein now. Lots of, lots of great choices out there. And again, shop, you know, and make sure that you're getting a good price because the more pure, the more natural something is, the little pricier it can be. Right. And she also asks for you to go over where to take measurements on the body. That's something that you talk a lot about. Don't worry so much about the scales because they can be deceiving. Worry about your measurements. So if you could go over where and how to take those measurements. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I need to do a YouTube video to actually show people because visual is better on this one. But the best I can do in description would be there's seven primary places that you want to measure. You always want to measure before you eat or drink in the mornings. You never want to measure or weigh after the day or morning after you've had Mm. a cheat meal because your weight measurements will be up from water retention. So just make sure that you're measuring and weighing a day or two after you've eaten clean and you haven't eaten out. And you're going to measure across the chest first, the widest part. And so if you're wearing a bra, make sure it's the same kind of bra, the same thickness. I would recommend doing it without a bra. And you're, no, you're going to know if you've lost body fat because your, your boobs are body mm-hmm. fat. So that's a real good indicator for women. The second place is um, the next three are the most important is, is right under that last rib, which is usually for most of us the smallest part of the upper waist. Okay. So find that last ribbon. You're going to, every one of these measurements has to be even around the circumference of your body. So you might need a mirror at first and you might be able to have a mirror where you turn to the side so you can make sure that your tape's even. Mm -hmm. Then the next one is half inch above the belly button. The fourth one is a half inch below your belly button, which is what I like to affectionately call the pooch. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's a good also area like your chest to see all the middle section ones actually are really good to see if you've lost body fat. Mm -hmm. Then you want to do your hips and butt together. I'm sorry, with your feet together. So your feet are together and you want to get your hips and butt at the widest portion together because again, you're going to really see some fat and inch loss there. Okay. Um, The next place would be 
your thighs. So in most women, our very upper, upper thigh, because we are supposed to have curves there. We're not supposed to like look like prepubescent right. boys that were stand together. Our thighs don't touch. Our thighs are supposed to touch, ladies. So you want to, though, see if you are losing inches off your upper thigh where you have the most, you know, the most circumference. You're going to look at those on both both legs. And then you could do other ones if you like. You could do your calves. You can do your biceps. If you are working out, I would recommend you flexing. Okay your right and left bicep, but if you don't, you can just simply have your arms straight down by your side while you measure. I don't do my arms, even though I've been measuring for, I don't know, how long has it been? 15, 16 years now. I don't, I'm too lazy first thing in the morning. My arms, it's too complicated to do by myself. So I don't really measure my arms, but all the other ones I do do. That's really helpful. I really appreciate that. But I, I do have one recommendation for when I was going around your site. And again, like I said, I frequently would go to the store and say, well, Romy said I need this, but I can't, you know, I don't know what brand and everything's confusing. So I went back to your site and I found that um, you actually had made a post called Romy Recommends Nutrition Bars. And I loved that. And I know you, you talk about the Zing bars a lot, but I also looked for other Romy recommends like on the, on the protein powder and on the probiotics and, you know, what brand of uh, vitamins are actually useful to take rather than, you know, detrimental or useless. And I didn't see anything else Mm -hmm. like that. And this particular listener would love to see that as like a series on your site when you find something, do a Romy recommends post okay. because that would be, you know, I'm just an average woman and I know a little bit more about nutrition than some and a lot less than many. And having, you know, knowing that you aren't taking money for advertising or anything like that, or that if you did try something on an, on an issue, on a situation like that, you'd disclose it. But just, there's mm-hmm. so many choices. Yeah, at this time, I'm not getting any endorsements. Of course, if there's companies that would like them, <laughs> if I love the product, exactly. I don't mind. But yeah, right now, I'm absolutely, yeah. there's nothing that, uh, I do get a lot of companies that give me free product to give out when mm-hmm. I do speeches, but I don't, yeah, I have not received any money. I just share what what works and, you know, same thing when I'm meeting with a client one-on-one. I don't want them to feel like I'm selling them something. Yeah. And so, you know, if I'm recommending something to them, it's because they can get it on their own. They don't need to go through me, but it's something that's really going to help them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk to Summer because she, she runs everything with our, with the website. So I think that's a great idea. Just as a consumer, you know, as soon as the companies find out, oh, gluten-free, that's the phrase that pays right now. So let's just inundate the shelves and everything will say gluten-free. And so do I... I, I'm very suspicious of food companies. So I look at it and I'm like, uh-huh, right. Let me go do some research before I buy it. You know, it's just, it, right. it, it would give a lot more confidence to my purchases and I'd, and I'd be less timid about making these changes that I want to make now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. My last question is actually, what made you decide to do the podcast? You know, I actually was... Farpoint Media approached me about it, and uh, I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I, I'm always a little behind on technology. I'm, you know, getting better, and I've got my my iPod now, and you know, I, I love it. But I really, I wasn't even a podcast listener <laughs> when, and I didn't really even quite know what they were when we started a year and a half ago, and it was like opened a whole new world to me. And I was really, you know, it's it's just a way for me you know, like writing the book, how can I reach a lot of people, 
you know, in, 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 a, in a really accessible kind of way. And that's, that is why I wrote the book in 2004. And I am working on another one because I just think, it, and we are looking at putting Be Lean on oh, ebook. Good. So it'll be even more accessible and Kindle. And, you know, and I've, I just got a Kindle myself. But it, it's really interesting how the web is now really the best way to, to reach people. Yeah. So I was just thrilled when they, when they asked me to do it. And just, you know, the emails I get from listeners and just even seeing Michael go through his journey, you know, when they asked me to do it, I didn't know that my producer was, you know, interested in losing weight and that he was actually going to do everything. <laughs> that, so it's fun. If you listen from show one, we now have uh, 56 shows and, you know, just, just follow Michael's journey is, it's really neat. Yeah. I don't know if you listened to the most recent show, but Zingbars just gave us this amazing coupon code. You can save 33% right now, but it's only until a week from Sunday. The coupon code, and I mean, you could put this on your site. It's more fiber. Mm Mm-hmm. It's running right now. It just, but it'll run until the Sunday after your podcast okay. airs. And and it's on the Zingbar site. And what they're doing for us is it's um, basically it's twenty five percent off, but you end up saving more because if you order three or more boxes, they also give you free shipping. Fantastic. And so you have to put in the coupon code at checkout more fiber. Because those Zing bars, they're like two twenty a bar. Mm-hmm. But if you end up buying three more boxes and you get put the f- code in, it ends up being like a dollar sixty a bar. And they're the most pure bars, I think. I, you know, we 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 probably my husband and I each have probably one a day. And you use those as meal replacements, not as a oh yes. I'm going to be hungry later kind of thing. Well, it depends. Like if I know that because I am out in the field a lot with clients and at companies, and so I'll actually use it. What I do is I pack my cooler with a lot of things because I don't know what I'm going to be in the mood to eat. So I'll put Zingbar in there, a protein shake. Sometimes I make oatmeal ahead. I don't mind eating it cold because mm-hmm. I use stevia and unsweetened cocoa. I make chocolate oatmeal. It's really mm-hmm. good. And then I'll also sometimes put a sandwich made with Ezekiel bread. So I put a lot of things, Greek yogurt, in my little cooler and I eat what I feel like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it could be a meal replacement. But if I need more calories, I might eat the Greek yogurt and the Zingbar. Gotcha. Well, I, I would like to thank you for joining me today. I'm really happy to share all that I've learned from you. And if you could just give us where to find you all in all the various places and the information on your book too, please. Sure. Um, there's two websites, of course, for the podcast. It's romynelson.com and you can listen. We've got 56 episodes at this point and we have guests on and success stories, clients of mine, listener emails, listener calls. And then at fournaturalfitness.com, that's the number four naturalfitness.com is just the website I've had for the business for years. And on my website or on amazon.com, you can buy my book, which is called Be Lean, How to Get the Body You Love and Love the Body You Have. And that addresses the mind-body connection, nutrition, and then all the things we've talked about, Viv, about the chemicals and pollutants and all those things in the environment. I've actually just gotten my hands on the book, and I'm very excited to crack it open. I was hoping to read it over the weekend, but it was not meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fast read. Most people, they tell me they knock it out in a few days. It's, 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 it's written, you know, just very mm-hmm. conversationally. I mean, there's a lot of research in that last part, but it's, it's done in a way that's just, it's a very quick read. And you said you're working on another book. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm just trying to decide the the direction I want to go with it. But there's so much, I mean, since 2004, there's so much more out. I want to talk a lot more about supplements this time. There's just a lot of exciting data, the vitamin D being, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. And I really want to mm-hmm. make sure that, that I address all that. And yeah, so it's it's just basically updating, but I also want to kind of take a completely different approach with the style of writing. 
Well, that sounds fantastic. And I can't wait to read the first book and I can't wait to read the second book when it comes out. (laughs) Yeah, the second one's going to be on ebook right away. So it'll be real accessible. Oh, good. Because that's where a lot of folks are going now. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again for joining me on the show, Romy. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with everything that you're doing. Yeah, and thanks, Viv, and, and keep updating us on your on your journey, and congratulations on all your success. Awesome, <laughs> I will. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, for me too. Thanks, Viv. Thanks, Romy. Bye. You take care, and I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And if you like what you've heard so far from Girls Rules Podcast, think about giving us an iTunes review. You can also give us feedback. All that information is in the outro. So once again, thank you for listening to Girls Rules. Our next episode will be live from Balticon, where we will talk about women in gaming. Thanks for listening to Girls Rules. You can find information, comment on episodes, and subscribe to the podcast at girlsrules.org. You can contact me by email at girlsrulespodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 717-347-8537. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 license. You are free to make copies and share this podcast to your heart's content, just not modify or make money from it. Theme music is provided by Emma's Many, found on magnatune.com. to a bunch of your podcasts and I really enjoyed the women you had on and I've, I've really been getting into reading more more sci-fi with female characters and and so I, it was like perfect timing I was like so interested in the authors that you had on yeah they're fantastic and almost all the women that inspired me to do this podcast were all on that panel oh <laughs> they just blow me away they're so empowered and and they don't hesitate they just do mm-hmm. and that was something that has been lacking in my life Oh, really? I wouldn't have guessed by listening to you. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you.